Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. In this episode, we are going to talk with the founder and principal of a Minneapolis-based group who provides organizational and leadership development services to low middle market companies across the country. But first, we're going to hear from our show sponsors, Baker Tilly and Sunbelt Business Advisors. At advisory and accounting firm Baker Tilly, we serve as value architects to help companies enhance and protect their value as they prepare to exit their business. Our team utilizes a rigorous approach to guide business owners through their transition, and we work with your other advisors to coordinate all aspects of a successful exit plan. Visit us at bakertilly.com to see how we can help. Baker Tilly, now for tomorrow. You wouldn't go deep sea fishing without a guide or skydive without an instructor. So don't sell your business without a broker. Now is a great time to sell a business. Many are selling at a premium. Contact a business broker at sunbeltminnesota.com or call Sunbelt Business Advisors at 612-455-0880 and get a free confidential business valuation so you'll know what your business might be worth. Because selling your business is the biggest financial decision you may ever make. There is a record number of buyers looking for businesses right now. It is a seller's market. You could list, sell, and get more for your business now and start the next successful chapter of your life. Call 612-455-0880 today or visit sunbeltminnesota.com. Minnesota's largest seller of companies. 612-455-0880, sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Jay Forrest, who's the principal of Employee Strategies. Jay Welcome to Poise for Exit. Thanks for having me, Julie. Great to have you here. Super cool topic. Um, I noticed on your website that there's a statement that really resonated with me, and I'm just going to read it real quick. When leaders see culture as a strategic advantage, they are more likely to partner with employee strategies. So we're going to get into that and talk about that. And I have to say for our audience that we have covered various aspects of culture development on the show in the past, but we have not covered it from the standpoint of mergers and acquisitions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Super important. We know that many mergers and acquisitions fail because culture hasn't been a focal point. And we're going to talk today about how to go about doing that. First, though, before we do that, I'd just like to have you share a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, so my background is organization development, which is interesting to a very few uh, numbers of people. But, but the way I got there perhaps has a little more interest for your listeners. But I, I made my first taxable dollars uh, coaching baseball and oh, cool. did that for 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds as a, I guess, 16, 17, 18-year-old. And uh, after that, I, uh, the next dollars I made that were taxable were from the Minnesota Twins. And so um, oh. I worked in the ticket office, had a great time working there. And 
then uh, sort of the underbelly of the 1994 player strike led to dismissals and yeah. pink slips and the like. So uh, I was amongst a group of people that lost their jobs following the baseball strike of 1994. And mm. when I came back to the Twins, you know, we, we saw a different experience. Same people, same walls, but the culture had shifted. I didn't have really, like the language to say, oh, the culture has really shifted here, but I knew it felt different. And mm. from that point, I, I sort of recommitted myself from being uh, somebody who really wanted to work in baseball. That was my primary focus for probably the first 20 some years of my life and uh, transition to looking at teams and the dynamics that are created within. And so mm. that experience, uh, the, the 1994 season really put me on this path. And so, um, interesting. yeah. So, so I always say that the baseball strike created an organization development consultant. And um, so I worked in big companies like Excel Energy and small consultancies. And then uh, 15 years ago this year, we started employee strategies. Great. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. So did you ever work in this capacity, in this role for the twins then? Oh, I wish. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I was, um, I had a role in the ticket office. So if, if you brought your 5,000 friends at the YMCA camp and you wanted a ticket uh, and you went to the little kiosk, I was the guy mm. sweating uh, in a polo in an unair-conditioned hot box out there. Dang and it. If I would have known you then, I could have got a deal. Yeah, you could have gotten a four-dollar <laughs> upper deck ticket for free. Right in the nosebleed section. Yep, you know In it. the sun, right? Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, um, so that's interesting. That gives me some context because I didn't know that story. Um, when we talk about culture fit and why acquisitions fail, could you share with us what some of the most common reasons are for why that happens? Well, you, you know, my opinion, a lot of the explanation hinges on the fact that it's just overlooked. Mm -hmm. So when we look at a deal, we, we fall in love with a product or a flow through or what we perceive the alpha to be on the, on the acquisition. But we don't always look sort of into the nooks and crannies. We don't look into the closets. And, um, you know, I saw some research last year from Vardis that looked at um, when organizations make direct investments, less than 15% of them actually examine the culture. Wow. So less than 15%. Yet wow. when we look at why things fail, we'll say things like, well, it wasn't a good culture fit. And we use that broad term, not really yes. knowing what it means. And so that's, that's interesting to us to figure out, well, why wouldn't you make that investment? Because mm -hmm. um, that's a fairly modest exercise to go through. Yet, you know, most of us assume we know best. We assume mm -hmm. that the deal is good because of how it shows up on paper. Right. And that's how it is on paper because culture is intangible. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so we overlook it or we trust ourselves and we say, oh, I know a good culture or I know a good leader and he or she checks all those boxes and it's going to be great. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a simplistic view of it and we think it's more nuanced. We think organizations and their imperfections are worth looking into. Absolutely, because there are strengths and weaknesses with every single company. And when we can bring our strengths to a company that doesn't have the same, that can be part of the good match, right? Absolutely. What else? What else do you measure? What else? Like, talk about your process a little bit or tell us a story and what that looks like. Yeah. So, so we come in, you know, our, our process isn't vastly different for most organizations. We'll do a survey, interview focus groups, and then we'll look at collections of HR data. 
like what rate are people leaving the organization? Mm. Uh, that's usually the best kind of primary indicator, people coming and going. That makes sense. So we'll look at rookie ratio, we'll look at attrition rate, and we'll see if there are some issues. As, as we go deeper with organizations, we can find and uncover things. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that gets, um, you know, you get into some matters of trust where the organization has really brokered your services and mm-hmm. similar probably to your services where you find oh, wow, this, this shelf is bare back here and we don't have a succession plan. So we, we'll go deeper with organizations um, mm-hmm. through that process. But we, we just delivered one on Friday. Um, and, and their situation was just a, a really strong division by functions. Mm. So Silos, you mean? Like people weren't really working together? Or? Absolutely. Okay. And, and even deeper, there was sort of emotional baggage that... Mm. Well, we're just this department, or we're just this, and got it. We don't get all the funding; we get just this. So, mm. so, so silos with a sort of an emotional sure. kink to it, I guess. Limiting when you say just, you're already demeaning the value, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate. I'm sure you run into that a lot, though. That's. I mean, silos <laughs> are um, kind of our primary finding that we don't collaborate well across mm-hmm. organization lines, even in small companies. Even in small companies, yes. Yeah. I would agree with that. In fact, I remember when I owned uh, and operated several companies over the course of most of my adult life before I became a consultant 10 years ago. When you're a small company, even though we had a few locations, we didn't have that many employees. Right. And people just assume that other people know what's going on. <laughs> we just make assumptions. Well, we're a small company. We're talking all the time. People should know what's going on. No, that really doesn't exist. Doesn't happen. No, it does. <laughs> we should know how I feel. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> the osmosis doesn't happen. No. No, it really doesn't. So let's talk about culture assessments because that's got to be a great way for you. You probably have a process for that, right, to measure. And you you got into that a little bit before um, with regard to turnover rates and things like that. But but when we're talking about a culture assessment in the due diligence stages, right, um, that's probably a little bit different. So let's, let's speak to that. Yeah, that's in the due diligence, you know, depending on who's paying for your services, you, you kind of like, uh, a home stager in real estate mm. where you want to find and make your organization look as strong and healthy as possible. Um, so you, you hire someone to help you declutter. You hire somebody to tell you which color mulch to put in your gardens. There are no mm. weeds here. Right. And, right. um, and for us, you know, similar to your business, Julian, that the more time we have, the better it's, it's easy to make cosmetic enhancements. Right. But it's, it's a much harder thing to get in and really understand the culture. And, and there's all sorts of pitfalls as to why. And, of course. you know, we have a, a colleague who uh, was a part of a deal of an, a coastal business buying a Midwestern business. And they brought their leader in from the East Coast and assumed that in Wisconsin, in central Wisconsin, people really wanted to work hard on Friday afternoons in the summer. Oh, well, that probably didn't go over very well. It did not. <laughs> it wouldn't in Minnesota either. That's right. We <laughs> love our lakes. We love our Friday afternoons. Yeah. And we're out of here. <laughs> those become unwritten rules or sacred cows in organizations. And yeah. we help identify those, amplify them, but then also you know, let people know this is untouchable. And if that, if that thing is a good thing, you know, enhance it. Or if it's a detriment to the organization, just to be clear about it. This is a barrier, so don't, you know, don't set up meetings at four o'clock on Friday in the 
in the summer. People are going to be off to the cabin or out to the, uh, you know, out to the lake doing some fishing. And so one, one, one particular client of ours was on a sort of a medium horizon to move out. Mm. And they were, say, three to five years. They were looking at their own retirement, worried that sort of the succession plan wasn't going to be perfect. And so sure. we were hired to come in and assess the organization. The leaders were, were capable, it seemed. Um, but, but the issue we found was they had all this banked vacation and sick time. Oh, boy. And, and this was a you know, small to medium-sized company. So say, uh, I think between three and 400 people. Wow, that would and be a big payout. The, the payout basically <laughs> was 58,000 hours of banked sick time. Oh, my gosh. 27,000 hours of banked vacation, because they hadn't been merged into paid time off. Um, wow. And they had 75 people who were eligible for retirement in the next 10 years. But the long and short of it, and I should have just been quiet after this, um, <laughs> they found out that 41 employees could walk the next day, be paid for a full calendar year, um, and not come back to work. Wow. And so when they were you know, determining how they propped up the business for the purpose of selling and transitioning new leaders... Is a major vulnerability that the organization had. And exactly. so for them, you know, we had to get creative and think about, well, how do you solve problems? Um, you can't think of retirement as a finish line at that point. So we started looking at, can we keep people engaged at quarter percent or 50% or some kind of a phased in retirement? And that worked for them. Mm. But um yeah, yeah, those are the types of things we find once we get in. If if the organization allows the outsider to examine and have good conversations, these are the types of things that we can find. Sometimes you don't always have conversations like that because maybe the questions hadn't occurred to you to ask them based on what they'd told you so far. Right. So you don't always have to take a deep dive because they're making it sound like everything's rosy. Right. But it's really not. Bank sick time is not like on the tip of our tongue. It's right? really not. No, it's not. And not having a good PTO policy is kind of the underlying thing that was missing, correct? That's right. Like what you can carry over, how much you can have, you know, in a year, how much time, like all of those things. Yeah, I have run into that before too. So that kind of like, if you dig a little bit deeper, then that would mean that they didn't have it addressed in their HR manual. So do you guys help them put that together too? Yep. You do? Yep. Well, excellent. So we'll get in and do a lot of HR 101 type activities, whether that's onboarding, policy manuals. Um, but mostly we try to focus on how do we get leaders to live that brand out as a leader. Because a lot of times we just promote folks without a lot of consideration as to mm. how they lead. Exactly. And so that's kind of um, more of a value added service versus the transactions of you know figuring out some of the HR fundamentals but mm -hmm. in a small organization you're right like you know there could be one person doing all of that yes and superman or wonder woman you know can be pretty overwhelmed and not watching that particular yeah uh, so we try to come in and do so in a non-judgmental way and and be a trusted advisor and mm -hmm. that takes time obviously but it does uh, yeah we found it's it's helpful and you get you get raving fans if you help highlight these things and do so in a way that's productive, not, mm -hmm. not punitive. Right. Well, like you said, um, they put people in charge who have a lot of other responsibilities and there's only so much a person can do in a day. 
And so a lot of times things that don't have a flaming inferno situation going on get put to the back burner until they become a flaming inferno. That's right. Mm -hmm. And they can get the whole business in trouble, especially when you're talking about HR. So I'm glad to hear that you guys actually get into doing some of that HR consultancy work. I had uh, an HR consultant on the show not too long ago, Amy Cruz. I don't know if you heard that episode, Um, but, you know, super good advice. And, 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 you know, to her point, HR really is taking center stage these days. You know, you guys and the work that you do is huge, especially when you're bringing two companies together. We can't afford to lose our key people, but we also have to be worried about recruiting the best and brightest. How do we find them? Right. right? How do we entice them to come in? How do you get them there? How do you keep them? And it's not as simple as a retention bonus. I think that's sort of the, the way things have been done. Yes. Now it's about people having options. And so those golden handcuffs might might not work. And right. so we're finding more progressive companies are are looking and, and trying to push more heavily onto their purpose, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get their leaders closer to sort of the end point, your customers, your stakeholders, mm-hmm. the residents that you're providing services to. Like we're seeing more and more of that. And those are the types of things that drive engagement, that mm-hmm. drives uh, retention, and that that signing bonus or that retention bonus can easily be bought out by the next place. I mean, when, right, when exactly. you're out interviewing, you know, what kind of bonus are you getting? What kind of these things are sure. all on a laundry list? Signing and bonus, yeah. So all of a sudden, that can quickly be wiped away. And you think as a business owner, oh, I've got this person locked in. Yeah. Well, that's Being locked in isn't necessarily a great <laughs> metaphor. Right, and nobody really wants to be, right? We're, yeah. I think we're using um, better terminology these days for how we uh, utilize the skills and talents of our workforce, right? Because they really are human capital, Mm -hmm. and human capital is becoming more and more valuable. Yeah. And so I'm sure that part of the work that you do, especially in the due diligence stages, uh, working with a client, is to figure out, okay, how is this going to match up with the next company? And you probably have to do, do you do a lot of research on the other company too? Oh, yeah. And try and figure out who the leaders are and you know, figuring out new roles for people. I mean, that's got to be relatively complicated. So (laughs) how long does that take? Like, what's a typical engagement? Well, for that type of work, I mean, you're looking at three to six months, I would say kind of minimum. Okay. Yeah, I would say minimum. It would seem to me that would take a couple of years, but... If you, depending on the size of the acquisition, I mean, Mm -hmm. you could really stretch that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we have partners that help us with those types of things, but... You know, a lot, of, a lot of what we'll see is something as simple as, well, we did a Hogan assessment for the two leadership groups. Mm. And we say, all right, we got that covered. That's, that's our integration strategy. And, you know, just like making new friends, making, you know, new colleagues takes time and building that trusted environment. So, yes. you know, depending on how transparent the organizations are really dictates it. And so for us, it's, it's a really tricky um, business because so much of it is customized. But, you know, the wisdom, and I think your book outlines this really well, is that it just takes time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some some great resources like Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. So if you're an employer right now and you have probably more than 10 to 20 employees, you might have a presence on Glassdoor. Yes. People are evaluating you as an employer. They're evaluating you as a workplace. Um, so we'll start there. We'll look for Folks who have left uh, the organization, LinkedIn is an incredible resource. Yes. Um, so we try to find out what are people saying about you? What's what's the reputation that you've earned? And 
is it valid or not? Mm-hmm. Do you ever survey the employees? Oh yeah, I bet you do that all the time. Yeah, that's our yeah. that's our most common service. I think we sure. do a couple hundred a year, and sure, that's um, good. People love to be be heard. It's a human need. It's a basic human need to be heard, right? Yeah. We want to be listened to. We want to have a voice, and employees deserve to have a voice. So. That's right. Super. All right, so when we talk about the culture work that you do and we're talking about when a business owner should actually engage, if a business owner is thinking about exiting, should they do this work right before they sell or should this work just be done after the fact? Wow. Um, I mean, whenever you can do it in advance, the better. The more time you have. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's something that's a quick sale you know, you can help with some of the cosmetics on it. Like the, the mulch example from earlier, you can, you can dress some things up. You can create a great onboarding tool. Um, you can do some of those things that help, but, Mm -hmm. but don't necessarily get into the systemic issues. So, Mm -hmm. um, what we find when organizations give us a couple of years or a year in advance, Mm -hmm. we can, we can declutter the organization. We can reduce the silos we can come to common understandings about what our values look and sound like in real practical terms in mm-hmm. this division or that department. Um, and just, you know, ready people for what we're asking, which is a, a transition. We're asking people to trust us. We're asking people for um, permission to disrupt their lives. And, and mm-hmm. people will sit and wait in that and get really uncomfortable yet um, not do anything about it. So I, I always say... You know, our, our work is a little like dental work in that it may not always feel necessary <laughs> until you've got a burning platform or a burning right. situation and you need a tooth capped off. And so yeah. um, we try to get people just like you do to, to get, you know, thinking about these things earlier. And it just makes things so much easier. And you might find that your interest in exiting the business is is minimized because you've cleaned things up and you've gotten rid of you know, underperforming employees, you've gotten rid of policies or processes that are clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, it just can be a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, it's always good to get your organizational house in order well in advance because you're absolutely right. Many times business owners re-engage and they, they decide, well, I, I guess it's not so bad after all. Now that we've got some of these things working, I can sleep yeah. better at night. So yeah, let's just that's, keep rolling. Yeah, that happens. That's a pretty good position to sell. It is a good, yeah. The time to sell is when you don't have to. Right. That is exactly the time to sell, when you don't have to. All right, so when companies are changing hands and we're talking about bringing cultures together, my guess is that the earlier you get in there, the better you can establish relationships with the employees that are going to have to merge with this new company and culture. So when that happens, when this new company comes in and this owner brings the culture with them, their owners, mm-hmm. then what do you do? Well, yeah, shared experiences are really important at that point. Mm. Uh, COVID has made that more complex because being on a Zoom doesn't necessarily feel like a shared experience versus right. being in a big uh, convention center space together, a big meeting space. Um, we try to create shared experiences through things like uh, like a Myers-Briggs or a DISC or some kind of mm-hmm. leveling psychological assessment that sure. says, well, here's the prevailing sentiment from this organization. Like the entrepreneurial organization is fast, quick, evolves constantly. The more trusted, you know, 
state organization values steadiness and um, to be able to have a frank conversation about that earlier with the staff is, is super, super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you can laugh about it. You know, we, we were working with an organization that was headquartered in New York and had offices in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And we did a, a session on uh, how to speak Minnesotan, the passive-aggressive nature of Midwesterners. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and it, was, it was a really fun conversation because it was real and it was pragmatic and it wasn't... Um, you know, it wasn't so, you know, lofty because mostly, I mean, organizations and, and the employees, they, they care where we're headed, but most importantly, they want to know that their jobs are intact. They're mm-hmm. not going to get a pink slip metaphorically or otherwise, and that they're going to be able to do the work that they love. Mm-hmm. So the sooner you can provide that, if in fact that's your reality, right? Uh, the far better the situation in my mind. Mm-hmm. Impactful work for sure. So let's uh, roll this up with uh, what the business owners can be doing right now. What are a couple action items that you have for us? Yeah, I mean, I, one of my favorite suggestions is to sit down with a former employee. Um, Ooh, okay. It can be a little unnerving, like a little <laughs> feel like a little bit of a risk. Sure. Um, but find out what do they like about working for you? What do they like about your organization? And what do they miss? What don't they miss? Sure. They could be more candid. Um, Is this like, would this be an addition to an exit interview if you actually already do that? Yeah. Okay. This would okay. be like an exit interview on truth serum. Got it. Once that person is gone, they don't have a, a ladder hanging against your wall. You can be in the candid kind of conversation just is far more interesting. Like it. And it might like be a it. boomerang situation. You might be able to get them back. Um, yeah. Or right. you might learn something. Because you actually have open ears and you care. Yeah. All right. So anything else? Uh, make a list. Find out um, what you think makes your business unique. Yes. Ask your team members. Ask your customers. You might have your values. You might have a really cool product. But there's lots of great employees. There's lots of great products. What makes you unique? Mm-hmm. We might have our own perspective, but asking others can be super revealing. It might be something that you can kind of extract some value from. Wonderful. Great advice. Thanks so much. I appreciate having you here, Jay. Yeah. So what's the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you? Well, we have a website. All right. That's fantastic. Uh, www.esync.mn. Okay. Employee Strategies, Inc. is our company name. And okay. We have email addresses, phone Wonderful. numbers. All right. We're loaded. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to show those, or put those, I should say, in the show notes. So we'll link them to your website, and we'll tag you on social. And for those of us who are listening out there, this episode will be available for download on the Poised for Exit website at poisedforexit.com, where you can also get a copy of my book, Poised for Exit. Please do share this program with your business friends and owners and colleagues and everybody that you know out there because we're trying to get that listenership up. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you join us again next time.